Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We finally did it again. A crossover show here at ADZ Sports Dallas. And tonight we'll discuss how body in are we into this 2023 Cowboys team. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. Usually I'm doing this show all by myself, but not tonight. Not tonight because finally, after years of, you know, months of saying, you know what? Yeah, we should do it. We should totally do it. And sometimes we exchange that thought on the DMs and then we never pull it off. Yeah. Now we're here. Sky crossover show. How are you, man? I am doing fantastic. I, I forgot how hard that beat is coming yep. into your show, man. I mean, jamming back <laughs> here, but I'm good, man. Ready to talk some Cowboys, which has been a minute, but I've been, I've been monitoring what you've been doing and it's been fantastic work, brother. You are an integral part into what we're doing here at A to Z Dallas, bro. Well, man, you know, same to you. Same to you. A to Z Sports is on a on a spaceship right now, and we're going yeah. to the moon. So excited about the whole thing. You know, we've got a lot of teams covered now you know, on the website side of things. So very excited about all that. So it's fun. Uh, shout out to everyone that is joining us in the chat right now. We've got Toxic. We've got Holly, Katharina, Bruce. Toxic is saying that Sky just woke up. Uh, is it true? Look, look, man, I was sitting down on the couch like, whoo. Did you need a nap, man? <laughs> hey, that's the that's the one thing about this whole old age little joke or whatever. That's true. I definitely be getting tired early. And my wife got me going to bed earlier than I used to. So, hey. <laughs> man, I believe you. Uh, definitely. I remember when I was on your show, I was like, how is this guy this energized at, at this moment of the day? But, I, but hey, it's part of it. It's part of it. Part of, I uh, love it. Yeah, for sure. And it's Talking Cowboys, which is exactly what we'll do tonight. Uh, because, Sky, we were we were talking before, behind the scenes, before we went live. And I was telling you that, you know, we're not going to waste the crossover show on a whole lot of Cowboys-Panthers talk. Because it shouldn't be much of a very entertaining game. You know, it shouldn't be one. You never know. It's the NFL. It's yeah. a desperate coaching staff on over there in Carolina. You never know. It's the noon slot, too, on the East Coast. It's a little bit of a dangerous combination, uh, but it, you know, I don't think that it would be super worthy of a crossover show to get into the matchups of the game. So instead, I thought maybe what we should do was bounce off some thoughts because what I was telling you and what we want to get into right now is I'm starting to buy in into the whole 2023 Cowboys thing where, you know, the Texas coast starting to look you know, very modern, as you said, and very aggressive early downs. They're tr throwing the football. It seems like they're letting Dak Prescott cook. And it's happened against very different opponents. It happened yeah. against the Eagles on the road. It happened against the Giants. It happened against the Rams, which are maybe 
somewhere in the middle between those two teams. Uh, so, you know, just your overall thoughts on that. Are you also buying into it? Because to me, that is the biggest reason why it could finally be the year. Like if this is the way that the offense <laughs> keeps looking over the next few weeks and, you know, even against the Eagles in week 14 again and then in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I believe they truly can beat anybody. Yeah, me and Jesse actually call it the here we go offense. And we were just joking about it in the back. But seriously, though, <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. think this is a, a whole lot of West Coast. You know, there's there's no. a, there's some West Coast, you know, and you'll see some slant flat variations from time to time. But this thing has expanded. It's expanded downfield. It's, it's expanded with its concepts. And and then the, the perfect guy running the ship, man, and, and Dak Prescott is on fire. I think he's playing the best ball of his career. And that's from game one to now. I, I really only think he's had one bad game. A lot of people like to point out the Cardinals game. That actually was a good game up until, the, obviously, the interception uh, when the game was pretty much put away. But he's he's just been dialed in, tops in the league and on, on uh, target percentage, second best bad throw percentage. Under pressure, he has the best completion percentage by a mile, top five in passing touchdowns. I mean, this guy is just locked all the way in. And they're finally leaning into Mo what I always thought was the best part of their offense, and that was the quarterback in the perimeter game, even though they told us differently in the preseason, I'm sorry, in a training camp, and they tried to come out and do the opposite, and it, it, it made their offense kind of watered down and then struggled in the red zone. All of a sudden, you ain't seeing too many struggles in that red zone right now, are you, right? They're, they're, they're converting at a high rate. In fact, I think Dak is uh, top three in touchdown passes in the red zone now, so oh, it, it is all coming together, bro, and I'm with you. I mean, when you got a defense that is good enough, I'm not going to quite say it's – I mean, it's it's a lead in, in regards to statistics, but we've seen it in the losses. You know, that's what's questioning me, calling it elite. But it's a good enough defense, and you have a, a, a ridiculous offense from a skill set standpoint. So I definitely think they've got the pieces to to get to the Final Four. That's where we'll go, to get to the Final Four. But they got to go prove it, man. And, you know, I love what you mentioned about the West Coast offense thing and it not looking like it at all over the last few weeks. And you can see it on the average depth of target, like from Dak Prescott and the intended air yards. First few weeks of the year, the Cowboys were near the bottom of the league and that's that it was quick passing, quick passing, quick passing all game long. And some of it, we kind of attributed it to it, like being hopeful maybe, but we kind of thought, you know, it's been blowout game, so they're just yeah. taking control of the ball it's you know they're taking care of it they don't want to turn the ball over that sort of stuff but then we get to the 49ers game and we kind of learn that oh no this is it this is really what they built this is the design of the offense and maybe it is the fact that they got smacked in the face by the 49ers that made them go like oh this is not gonna go well for us if we stick to this playbook right here we need to really update it during the bye week, which seems to be what they did. And, you know, the Brandon Cooks game has everyone excited because it was 173 yards and people are super excited about him finally blowing up. I'm very excited about the routes that he was running. Yeah. He was working those those uh, crossers. Right. And, you know, people make fun of my doodles here in the chat sky. But I wrote. Oh, I draw they're, the, they're excellent, bro. <laughs> and I, it, it's a it's in a joking way, of course. Uh, but all kidding aside, like they were working him on the crossers and then the beautiful throw from Dak Prescott where he steps up into the pressure and lets it rip. That's like the crosser where he's selling the crosser and then boom, hits them with the double it's move. A, it's, and- it's like a bin route. I mean, that 
Clay yeah. was was dope because you had I think it was CD Lamb on a dig underneath. So this looks like either it can either be uh you know either some crossing, some in routes to both, and then you had Cooks just bend it back outwards, and that's yeah. just tough to deal with with a guy like that. I love that route, Mo. Yeah, I, I really did, and. Everyone was talking about the throw, and rightfully so. That's probably Dak's best throw of the season so far, honestly, considering the pressure and everything. But, man, the speed with which where, where Brandon is, where he breaks outside, and how quickly he gets to the sideline, I was mesmerized by it when watching the old 22. I was like, oh, damn, that's much faster than I would have. I thought when watching live, because, you know, it gets blurry when you're watching live, I thought it was a crosser like from the right to the left Same. side. I, I, I didn't even remember that Brandon Cooks was lined up to the left side and then worked all the way back. Yeah, I, I thought it was on the other side as well because he had he had did a crossing route either earlier in that game or might have been right after, but he caught one and got some yak on it as well. So, you know, yeah. they're getting him involved, or at least in that game. They got him involved short. Remember early on in the first touchdown possession, they had like a pick route. They got him involved intermediately, and they got him involved deep. And if you're putting that on film, Mo, and you're preparing, like Dak said, you have to decide how you're, you, who you're going to double. Because, I mean, you could say, well, Brandon Cooks hasn't done much, so we don't got to worry about him. Okay. If they decide to involve Brandon Cooks, at some point, he's going to crush you. And that's what he did. And you have to be able to have the secondary to deal with him one-on-one, or you're going to have to double him or double C.D. Lamb. So I'm glad they, they put that on film, because now moving forward, that's another thing that teams will have to account for you know, quarter one through four. Yeah, I agree. And then you get into this conversation where after the Eagles game, and this is something that really got me thinking a little bit during the during the week, I was like, after the Eagles game, we were all praising Jake Ferguson because Jake Ferguson looks like a legit guy. Like he's going to be a good tight end for, for the Cowboys, man. And there might be some inconsistencies here and there. And there have been some complaints about the pick route in Philly with looks can make her and everything. Still growing. A lot of blame to to go around in that particular play, of course, because Luke definitely could have run the route a little bit differently and stuff. But still, after that game, and I asked this on the show and everyone chimed in, I asked, who's the number two guy on this offense? And everyone was like, oh, it's Jake. It's Jake Ferguson. That's the number two weapon on the Cowboys. Fast forward one week, I'm not sure if we get the same majority answer because it might be Brandon Cooks now after seeing what he did on Sunday. I don't know if you have a strong opinion on who's the number two guy on this offense, but I think it's very blurry right now. And I think that is the best compliment that we can give Brandon Cooks <laughs> for, for, for how one game to another, he really put himself in the map there. And suddenly I'm not sure if Jake is number two anymore. It would always should have been Brandon Cooks. It always should have been Brandon Cooks. And, and then depending on the day, maybe it's Jake Ferguson, right? But yeah. no matter what, we probably shouldn't stop it at two. It really should be three guys, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson. You're not going to have all three of those guys go off every single game, right? But if you get two of them to go off, that's that's hella good. That either means the middle of the field is getting worked by Jake Ferguson, right, or red zone is getting worked by Jake Ferguson, or the deep part of the field with Brandon Cooks or big explosive plays with Brandon Cooks is getting worked because we know Lamb is going to get his. It don't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's always about that two or three who's going to flip. So as long as two of your top three guys, Lamb, Cooks, and Ferguson, are getting off, you're good to go. If you get all three of them going, I mean, you're talking about another blowout. And while while Ferguson, from a yardage standpoint, didn't get going, he did score a touchdown, and others got involved. So if you get those top three guys 
going either in the same game or two of the three. And now you allow your role, your role players. Cause I do think of Michael Gallup, a Turpin, Tobert. These guys are role players. They can chime in with a couple catches here and there. You're good to go offensively from a, from a passing game standpoint. Yeah. And I don't want Cowboys nation to get in this like vicious cycle of every week complaining about the guy that didn't get targets specifically because of what you just said. Like, you know, we hate the pie analogy because they use it for salary cap stuff. But yeah, there's only so much pie to go around when it comes to targets yeah. within a single game. And it's going to vary. I agree with you there. One of the things that I'm excited about is that the Cowboys obviously seem to understand it. And you mentioned like Dak saying that defenses are going to have to decide who are they're going to double. I remember after the post, uh, during the post-game conference, he was like, I told Brandon Cooks, you're going to get more touches. And I promise you there's more games like this coming. But he did say, like, it's not going to be every week. Because you, no. you're not he's not going to have nine catches every week. It would be crazy. But you don't want him to get also two targets like he did in Philly. You, you want, like, that middle round maybe where he's averaging maybe, like, four to five catches. And maybe two of them are explosive catches, which is also part of my frustration with Brandon Cooks' usage at the beginning of the year was that it, it wasn't that he wasn't getting targeted enough. It was that he wasn't getting targeted in this route specifically that we were yeah. talking about. Uh, he wasn't being a factor on the intermediate game or the deep game. If he gets four catches in a game, but it's in that area of the field, I'm going to be good to go. I'm going to be happy about where the Cowboys offense is going just overall. Yeah. He could legitimately finish with four receptions for like 79 yards, 80 yards and a touchdown because of the big playability. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be all short stuff, but that's what kind of what he was getting, right? The first five weeks or so of the season, everything was kind of, you know, 10 yards in, you know, 15 yards in. It really wasn't the deep overs or the the, the, the deep balls. And like Dak said, this isn't going to happen every week because teams aren't going to play that much man against the Cowboys consistently. Wink Martindale was stubborn, you know? He just yep. didn't care. He was going to play so much man. Teams are going to get back to putting two guys on the roof and saying keep things in front of you, and I do think we have beaters for that. We've, and that's the other thing I didn't bring up about the passing game. I love the concepts, Mo, and you, you're writing all these things down, so you see the concepts. These concepts to me are not night and day from what we've seen previously, because I think they have built-in variations that we haven't even gotten to yet, and we've yep. seen some of the counters. Like I've seen very, you kind of got to really pay attention. I've seen some slant flat variations. It, it looks yeah. like there's a slant flat thing going on, but you'll see maybe a wheel from it. You'll see a whip come back behind it. We're seeing different variations in a lot of these three by one formations are, are, are zone beaters and man beaters. It's fun to watch. Yeah. And you'll see like slants where suddenly they break up field and it's like a vertical route. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what, what was that? I want to see yeah. more of that. But, you know, maybe sometimes the targets are not thrown that way. So maybe we've got to wait, as you say, to to really see all of this offense. And that's the way that the NFL should be played. Now, you mentioned CeeDee Lamb's going to get his. Yeah, That's something that we've seen that has been so impressive to watch. Because thinking about the zone beaters and man beaters, you know, now that we're getting into the concepts and everything, against the Jets early in the season, CeeDee Lamb just goes off and has a fantastic game. But that's a game where New York really played zone coverage and zone coverage Hold only. On. They... They didn't really challenge CD with man coverage. I think that he had 11 catches. And I think that next-gen stats had the number that it was like 10 out of the 11 catches were against Sone. And then now we're seeing the man coverage beaters, like you said, against Wink. Who's, who Wink, by the way, is going to do it against anybody. He can yeah. face 
Patrick Mahomes 10 times in a row and it's going to be cover <laughs> one. He doesn't care. He's he's a little bit wild like that. But, you know, CeeDee Lamp is on a historic run. Everyone knows about the record. Everyone knows about like the 10 catches, the 150 yards. Everyone has seen the sounds from the sideline moment where he's like, I got to go back in, which is fantastic to see too, by the way. I don't remember, Sky. when was the last time that we've seen somebody play this sort of dominant football? I've got one guy in mind and one season in mind. I do too. That's crazy. Who you got? I, I, I was going to ask you, like, let, okay. let's see if we have the same guy. So I've got somebody Cowboys from 2014. Player, Cowboys player or just in the league? Cowboys, Cowboys. Well, if you're going 2014, it's it, probably the same guy I'm thinking about. Dez? Yeah, for sure. Okay, I got Dez as well, but mine's is actually two years dated prior. But you're right, though. 2014 okay. is when is when Dez went crazy. He, he had a, an all-pro year. 16 I, touchdowns. Yeah, he went stupid. There was a time, there was a little three or four-game period in 2012 where he had six touchdowns and almost 500 yards uh, of offense. Now, we weren't good that year, though. Eight, eight and eight, you know, didn't finish strong. But in 14, it probably was more meaningful. Uh, but so what was yours in 14? Well, it was like, honestly, I was cheating. I was going to go like for the entire season. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. In the sense that, you know, maybe defensively with guys like Micah, we have seen like that sort of like dominant season where he's getting defensive player of the year votes and everything. But offensively, this this is like when you think about the Hall of Fame conversation and everything, this maybe didn't have the longest career, which is obviously going to hurt him. But I think of like one of the most dominant players that I've ever seen plays 2014, Des Bryant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was single handedly take over a game. Exactly. Exactly. And people might think about like Murray, the Marco Murray from that year, but it's like, you know, the offensive line, the running game, it's more difficult to really put some value in it. But Des man was like, holy smokes, nobody can stop him. I, I was thinking like, you know, maybe 2018 Amari Cooper, and I Googled his game locks not at all he had that strong yeah. game in washington and then the one against the philadelphia eagles but he yeah, I don't, Amari I, was strong he was strong for us in 18 but he wasn't dominant like that exactly you know what i'm saying dez in 2014 was was cd lamb in 2023 like you said would you be surprised if cd ends up like winning offensive player of the year because i wouldn't I at would. this point well tyree keel is going reason. crazy I would for different reasons. When's the last time a Cowboys player wins those kind of awards? You know, he yep. he, he would have to keep up this pace. And, and let's be honest, he's not going to finish the season with, you know, 10 straight 100-yard games and 10 straight 150-yard oh. games. He'll, he'll have a peak in Valley where it might be 90 yards. It might be 80 yards or something. But uh, I would be shocked only because I, I don't expect 150 yards every game. He might hit a lull. And if he hits that lull, maybe some other player, you know, gets a lot of stats and it'll go to that guy with the stats. But uh, like Dez didn't win offensive player of the year that year. And, and he was crazy that season. Toxic is saying in the chat that it was the Mark Murray winning it in 2014. Was he? Yeah, I, I think so because he led the league in rushing at like 1800 yards, broke the, broke the record. Again, right. you know, Cowboys record. So I didn't remember that at all. I didn't remember that a word at all for him. Uh, man. Tyreek Hill is having an insane season, and so mm -hmm. is A.J. Brown, which is what hurts maybe CD in this convo. But, like, three weeks ago, I would have been like, you know, the award is already built. It, it already has a label. It's Tyreek's award. Now I'm like, 
man, I want to watch this second half of the season, especially with the Dolphins being, quote-unquote, figured out a little bit there. So as we get into the second half of the season and we start thinking about these run that the Cowboys are about to go in, forget about, like, Panthers and, you know, the Commanders are low-key tough opponent that hey, I am, like... That, we're not counting Commanders as an easy game. Not exactly. Doing nah, no, cannot no, no. do it. But then after that, it's like that run of games where you've got the Eagles and you've got the Bales and the Dolphins and the Seattle. Lions in Week 17, Seattle. It's going to be tough. And even with as excited as we are with this offense, how confident are we that against tougher opponents, Cowboys, the Cowboys are going to keep up at this level? Because there are some concerns, Kai, and that is like the thing where I'm like, all right, what's next for the Cowboys? And to me, there are several questions here. Who arises as the number three guy? Because we know Michael Gallup it might be losing that battle already, and it might be Jalen Tolbert as a number three wide receiver. But even like with Jalen Tolbert, we know what he can do, and we've seen some flashes of some very cool things from him. But he sure. has yet to really like take over the job, if that makes sense for you. Yeah, I don't think the number three receiver needs to be – needs to have some takeover type moments. I think they just need right. to fulfill their role. I think the number three wide receiver on this offense is a role player. Uh, if we are utilizing Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb, and Jake Ferguson as your main guys, like you said, it's one ball to go around. Um, sometimes some teams might not have the tight end like Jake, where now your third receiver is that guy. Where we got a guy like Jake, we don't need it to be. So he can work that middle of the field and take advantage of these linebackers and safety. So if it's one week, Michael Gallup, two catches, 70 yards and a touchdown, Perfect. Another week, if it's Jalen Tolbert, four catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. Perfect. If it's another week, Kevontae Turpin, two catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Perfect. I think that role may vary week by week, whereas every week, to me, it should be CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson, and Brandon Cooks, yeah. whatever order you want. So I'm not really too worried about the third receiver, per se. But I'm with you in the sense that there's going to be question marks around the Cowboys playing good teams until they beat the good teams. Um, we've seen them, at least with the Eagles, because you only have really two opportunities. I shouldn't I shouldn't say two opportunities. The, the Chargers on a bad team. But you've had two opportunities against those type of opponents. And um, in the Eagles game, your offense was clicking. In the Niners game, it was not. But they were night and day offenses, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think they'll be able to keep up and score with or play well or whatever against these teams. But the bottom line is they have to finish against these teams. That's where it's going to matter most. Even if it's a 20 to 17 game, 23-20 type game, you got to finish. So if they can finish with a above 500 record to, to close this thing out against those opponents, I think we go into the playoffs feeling hella good about ourselves. Yeah. Now, one of the biggest things, and this is where it might get tricky and some people might call me a hypocrite because I'm very big on analytics and everything. And I mean, like this boat of running backs don't matter and all those sort those sorts of like, quote unquote, radical views. They're not radical anymore. Everyone feels the same way, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's not radical at all. Yeah, not, not at all. So, however, though, when I think the running game really matters, speaking of like finishing, is to close out some of these games, right? Because you got to be able to like just stoke that dagger in there and, and, you know, win the ball game by basically running out the clock. But... The run game for the Cowboys has been so weird to figure out. I have not no. figured it out yet, this guy. I'm going to be honest with you. Because I look at the film and I see a little bit of everything. Like I see lack of explosiveness, but I also see some plays where the blocking is not there. 
But then I also get to the offensive line ranking composites from Ben Baldwin, which takes data from PFF, ESPN, and Sports Info Solutions. And they're like a top 10 run blocking offensive line. And I'm like, I don't know what to to make of it. What do you make of the Cowboys running game, man? It was like tale of two halves where the first like four games of the year, it it was one thing. And now, now the second half, it's a different thing. I've settled in on this one, no more. This team is not a running team. So I don't I really that. get worked up as much anymore because we are we are a perimeter-led, quarterback-led team. I just need this run game to be efficient like it was on Sunday, right? That's and all I really that's all I need. Yeah. And give me one homer or two homers per game, you know, like give me those 20 plus yards uh runs, like give me one of them per game and that's also going to be a, a huge difference. That or or, or com- between TP and, and Rico, give me uh, a, a handful of 10 plus yard games. They had six of them in that game. That was exactly. a season high, uh, compared, you know, combined for the two. Now, Tony has had a couple games where he's had a few on his own, but both of them had three apiece. Uh, one, Biotis got called back. But if you can get that out of them and we're finishing in red zone like we have, except for that one drive where they didn't give it to Rico, which made no sense. I'm fine. The the split that they had on Sunday, 15 to 12, if that's the split the rest of the year, that's perfect to me. We're not a running team. We won't win by being a running team. We have to win by being efficient. And um, I liken it to the Chiefs. I've been actually saying this for a couple of years where we we are such a perimeter-driven team like the Chiefs were in their height and even over the last few years that you don't look at them as a running team, but when they need to be able to run, they've been efficient at doing it. They finished in the top 10 in yards per carry a number of times over the last four seasons. And the Cowboys aren't there right now, but that's what I mean by efficiency. If you can finish in that top 12 to 10 in yards per carry for the running backs, you're converting on short downs, which they have been doing. And the biggest one, though, is converting the red zone. I don't care how you do it, just converting the red zone. That's going to work. But if you are a running team, if the Cowboys were an actual running team, I'd be worried, right? Yep. If we were like the Titans, if we were the Steelers, if or we the, were... Or the 2022 Cowboys. The 2022 Cowboys. I would be worried, but we're not. So yep. as long as we're not leaning into that, I'm fine. If we get into a, a situation where we got to lean into it, I have questions that I don't know if we were able to do that consistently, Mo. I do. I just need to know, like, you know, I, I need somebody from the future to come here and tell me, like, you are indeed a passing team. <laughs> like, I'm just, maybe it's like emotional hedging, but I'm like, this better not be a three-week thing. This better be the real identity. I think it of, is, of man. Cowboys, man. Here's why. Here's why, Mo. Because Mike McCarthy, in his core, ain't a running coach. So all that yeah. mess he was talking in the offseason, I was like, man, something ain't adding up. You can't yeah. talk about, oh, we're going to run the ball when you didn't bring in another back to run the ball. Right, you can't say we're going to be a running team, defensive team, when you you went into the season with your second running back being Rico Dowdle, who had injury situations, and and we didn't know, hey, can he stay healthy? And then you didn't take a running back to the sixth round. I'm like, you lying. You're not. This ain't right. And then the season comes here, we're blowing teams out, and it looks like, oh, Cowboys are running the ball a whole lot. We were, we were running the ball yeah. a whole lot, Mo. And we went into that that pen, or that that Niners game with kind of that same game plan. They said, whoa. This yeah. this isn't going to run the ball, one, two, three, get the ball out fast, quick. This isn't going to work. So they switched it, leaned into the pass game, and now everything is opening up for this offense. So if they just live in this, 
will be will be more than fine offensively. You have one of the best offenses in the league operating right now like this without having some top-ranked running game. You don't need a top-ranked running game. You need an efficient running game. Before we close on the offense, like just two thoughts on that. Number one is like I was exactly on the same boat as you during the preseason. And then it was that early portion of the season that kind of worried me and then the Niners game. But since then, there have been two moments that have me thinking, oh, this is completely real. One is the Philly game, going mm -hmm. on the road, divisional opponent, big-time opponent, big-time rival, and they stuck with it. So it was like, if they do it in Philly, if they do it on the road and all that, they're going to keep doing it because that's going to be the identity. Yeah. And the other one is Jerry going on 105.3, the fan <laughs> talking about throwing to set the run-up. I was yeah, like... That's Bro. I don't listen to Jerry much, but when he said that, I kind of, we just one year removed from him saying, well, um, yeah, yeah you, you know, uh, th this team is going to go uh, uh, as far as Ezekiel Elliott. What? Yeah. We're one year removed from, we run through Zeke to we are throwing the pat to set up the run. Somebody getting a Jerry, I guess, or he's I, catching up to times. I swear I saw the tweet and I was like, no, nah, I need I need to listen to the audio to be sure that this isn't like a typo in the tweet. Like somebody didn't mess up the words. And then I heard it and I was like, oh damn. Yeah. As you say, like somebody's teaching him all this stuff. And it's definitely either the coaching staff or like the revamped analytics department. Damn, there you go. I was just about yeah. to say that. I think the new analytics department must have got to Jerry or somebody, you know, the seven levels of Kevin Bacon or whatever it's called. Got to Jerry. <laughs> you know how it is. Like somebody that's close to Jerry, that's close to Jerry's son and, yeah. and friend or whatever. Hey, Jerry, you know, you might want to listen to what John Parks is talking about over here. There's some good numbers going on, man. Yeah. And he probably looked at it and, and now he's seeing the results and he's like, you know what? Let me just shut up and let Mike do his thing. Yeah. I just I just like glanced at my at my improvised, like, you know, Thursday night football device here. Oh, Joe yeah, Burrow yeah. is hurt. No. Joe Burrow was going into the locker room. Like he's not on the field right now. Oh, number six I was like, what? Yeah. I don't even remember. I know they was massaging his, uh, his calf the last time I was looking at it, but damn. That is that is tough, man. That that sucks for the NFL. And then Lamar was hurt earlier. It's Jake Browning, like the, the former Washington Huskies QB. Damn. Anyways, let's move on to the defense here a little bit quickly. Let's do it. Because, man, there's one guy that is being a little bit disrespected, Sky, in my opinion, by the fan base. And I knew when we were exchanging messages that you were on the same <laughs> boat as me. Here's where I stand, and then I'll let you run with it. Gotcha. Jordan Lewis was hurt last week, and he's been a full participant in practice, so everything's looking up for him. But I saw some people on social media and even here in the comments on primetime be like, you know, it doesn't matter. Jordan Lewis is suffering out there anyways. He's the guy that they're targeting. And I was like, man, I don't know. Uh I know that Jordan has been in some tough replay moments, let's call it like that. Like, you know, they show, they show him on the replay and he's getting burned here and there. But he's also playing nickel cornerback. And I think it's one of those positions that you got to watch the entire league to really understand these guys are going to be targeted very often. And, you know, it's maybe one of the hardest positions to play oh, on yeah. defense. And I'm fine with Jordan Lewis getting bit in some plays, but I feel like he's actually somebody that you would dearly miss if he ends up being hurt and then they got to play easy or somebody in there. And that's not 
anything against Easy, who I absolutely love, but Whoa. I just like Jordan Lewis, man. One second, man. Let me just confirm this. I don't know if you saw that in the chat. Nope. What See, is I it? can't be dropping that stuff in the chat if it ain't true, man. What happened? Somebody said Cowboys signed Kelvin Joseph. Ah, oh, come on. Uh, I saw. Be... I saw he was waived. No, he must like, be getting oh, he's playing. See, all right, my bad. He messed up the show. It, it did happen. My oh, bad, man. No, man. My, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I see you, Mark. I, I see Mark was the guy who did it. <laughs> man, some of those messages really freak you out. I but know. Hey. Sometimes I try to ignore it, but I know things happen. So I just, let me go yeah. check. Apologies. And go also, ahead. you wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> no. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, we just signed Martavis Bryant. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a realistic one right there. I, I, I got to respect it. But yeah, I just feel like Jordan Lewis is a guy that you would miss if, like, if he ends up missing time. And as I said, like, it's not anything against Izzy Mukwamu, who I love, but it's like, you know, Jordan Lewis is a starting nickel cornerback in the NFL. And sometimes people miss that fact. Yeah, I, I think, like, you, you said that uh, you have to watch the rest of the league. I'll just say you have to watch the actual tape. You know, I think people, like you said, they see the all they see the replay of one play and not realize, damn, that was play 42. That's the first time I'm hearing his name. <laughs> yeah, and you, it's usually the first time you're hearing his name because he's actually been doing his job. And in this game against a guy like Wandell Robinson, he was the perfect cornerback to deal with uh, because Wandell has that that quickness. And they have a bunch of what we had a joke called specialists. The Wandell Robinson's Paris. <laughs> uh, what's the kid's name? Paris. He's played for the Colts. Um, uh, Campbell, Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell, and uh, there was another one, Shepard. These kind of slot guys, you need a Jordan Lewis, and I liken him to a matchup player in games like this. In games like the, the I believe it was the Rams, you want him against those slot, slot type of dudes. When you get to big slots, when you get to tight ends, that's when you can use different guys like a Wanye Thomas or possibly an Izzy Okwamu. But I think he's the easiest punching bag right now because there's really nothing else, there's not too much else to gripe about. So it's like, hmm. Who can we? Jordan Lewis. But when you go yep. pop on the tape, Jordan Lewis had a B-plus game. And the only reason why I'm not giving him an A is because he had a, a, a possession where he had two penalties. One was declined uh, because it was offset. But and even those were a little bit like, yeah, the, the, uh, you know. The first one was questionable. Yeah. The second one, he did hold he did hold Wondell Robinson uh, off the line of scrimmage. But other than that, I mean, he was really good when you watch the film. And I had to go back and because this happened against the Rams. When, when people were like, man, Jordan Lewis sucks. And I was like, well, let me go watch the Rams game because I don't remember too many too many passes he gave up. Went back and watched. Yep. When he was on Cooper Cup and he was on uh, the other kid, he locked him up. One catch, five yards. He gave up a touchdown when the game was 33-3 to or 38-3, to whatever it was. And if you go watch that touchdown, he's given the inside leverage because he thinks he has help on the inside. And there's number one, J. Ron Curse, looking like he's in no man's land. All right, yep. fine. Then you go fast forward to this game and people are like, man, Joe Lewis is terrible. And I'm like, well, I don't remember him giving up a catch. Let me go watch the tape. Watch the tape. I'm like, man, this dude had a B-plus game. Yeah. Go back and watch the Eagles game. Man, Joe Lewis sucks. Well, he's, are you mad because he gave up a catch to a six-foot-six tight end? He had no business being on. That was thrown in the perfect spot. I, I, I think we're looking for kind of perfection across the board and we're always looking for a punching bag. Jordan Lewis is, is a fine slot receiver for you. He's filling in for this. He's a fourth receiver that, or fourth cornerback. I'm sorry, fine slot corner. He's the fourth corner on your team right now. We're forgetting that, right? Diggs started the season. He was your fourth guy. Now he's your third. So I, I don't really get the whole thing on Jordan Lewis. 
Dude, they had 77 passing yards going into the last possession of that game on Sunday. 77. And somehow we come away with Jordan Lewis sucks. And if you go look at the last two games, Jordan Lewis isn't the one that gave up a touchdown pass in either of them. Gilmore gave up a touchdown pass. De'Ron Bland gave up a touchdown pass. Uh, Nation Wright gave up a touchdown pass. And those are the guys that gave up a touchdown pass. But I just think it's it's one of those things, Mo, where he's an easy punching bag. Um, but I think we're lucky to have a guy like J. Lou for depth. I'm not saying you can't upgrade from J. Lou if if it's possible. That's why I was looking to go get a Jalen Johnson and maybe move to Ron inside. Jalen would have been that'd have been perfect, right? Awesome, man. Awesome. But I think we're lucky to have him given what happened with, with Diggs early on. Yeah. And you know, nickel, the, the nickel position in the NFL is so hard to evaluate that. Pro football focus gets a lot of hate because of the grades, and I understand it. I am not a fan of the grades either, but I love like the work that they do with the stats, and I love that they have the separate page for slot coverage. I love and, that. And the way that they rank the cornerbacks is not like NFL passer rating allowed. It's not the completion rates allowed. It's snaps per reception allowed. So mm-hmm. how many snaps are you in there, you know, between receptions allowed, Jordan Lewis is top 10 in the NFL. He's the seventh best cornerback in that stat in the league. It's and that's point. out of 45 cornerbacks. So I'm happy with that. I'm I'm with you in the sense that, you know, it's a very good defense and the weak spot is always going to be pointed out. And maybe in, pre- in previous years, that would have been like the interior defensive line or something like that. But now the Cowboys are fine there with Oza, who's an absolute monster. And then Hankins doing his thing and all that. But hey, one thing that I would also point out is, and we were maybe referring to it earlier on the show before we dove into the whole offensive thing. Maybe people are not that willing to call it like the top defense anymore because it's so volatile and Cleveland and, you know, Baltimore are also doing a great job. But, you know, defense in the NFL is hard. We've seen Cleveland allow over 30 points this year. We've seen... Baltimore struggle here and there too. Dallas has done it. Yeah, it's yeah. We we might be in an era mo where we might not see that uh, Legion of Boom domination that 2015 Denver Broncos, the 2000 Ravens, the two oh, 2002 Buccaneers. We may not see that you know consistently. Well, not consistently. You never see that consistently. But what if you don't see it again? That's what I'm kind of yep. getting at because the the rules are skewed towards the offense now that it's it's really hard and now with you know mcdaniels and shanahan and mcveigh kind of being innovative and with the pop motions and the at snap things and the concepts it's really really hard on the other side of the ball so that's why i say i think we have a a good defense a really good defense a top five defense but it may not be that one of them one defenses without trayvon Diggs. with Diggs, i thought we had a potential to be a special type of defense i don't think we're going we have that anymore but I do think we have a defense that can go into any game and be able to compete. Yeah, and the best defensive player in football. To me, it's, it's still Micah. Uh, Miles Garrett deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, but hey, Micah gets my vote there. See, uh, these are the type of family talking about. Mark said, Jay Lube been getting smacked. We just show film. We just talk about what he's been doing. <laughs> see, these fans don't care, bro. Like, they get caught up in their emotions. Hey, man, he sucks, man. Get him off the field. Pop on the tape. Yeah. No, he don't, man. But I get it, though. Not everybody, not everybody can do that. And Toxic with a good point here. He says he is the fans' next Anthony Brown. I don't like like you know putting those names 
right there because you you might get into a whole different conversation. Yeah. But my my whole thing AB was, was he was about somebody getting worked. AB was getting worked. I think this is a little yeah. different. AB was getting worked, especially with that deep shot, like that weekly deep shot that they took at him. And it was yeah. like, oh, it's coming at some point in the game. They're firing towards Anthony Brown's side. Yeah. But my whole thing with Anthony Brown, though, even last year when he was struggling like that, was you could do much worse than, than Anthony Brown. And as soon as he went down and everyone was like, oh, it's not going to matter. I was so nervous, guy, because I was like, it is going to matter. And then we saw that weird carousel thing with Nashawn and Trayvon Mullen See, and everything that happened late in the year. But that's a little but, bit different. But watch this. I think the reason why it looked that way was because Jordan Lewis got hurt. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Damn. Think about, hold on. Think about it. Jay Lou went down first. That Jay, is Lou true. Went, Jay Lou went down first, and that blessed us, Deron Blaine. Yeah. Say it didn't happen. Say that never happens. Jay Lou doesn't get hurt. And AB goes down. Deron Bland goes outside. Now and your we're, quarterbacks we're are golden. Diggs, Bland, and Lewis. And I don't think we're tripping. But because you lost AB and, and I'm sorry, AB and Jordan Lewis, it just made that look like a whole shit show because Deron Bland yep. can't do everything in the slot. You know, he just, and he was a rookie and he got beat. He got, he got beat in the slot a lot, but we don't really talk about it because he had the five interceptions. And that's what you live with, right? At cornerback, you're going to give up Especially plays. Especially with a fifth-round rookie. You're yes. like, we were excited. Yes. But when he got moved out there in the playoffs, he was doing a fantastic job out there. So, But I th I'm just being a little tongue-in-cheek, but not really. I think that the, the A-B uh, absence was was larger because you didn't have – you lost two corners. You lost two of your top three corners, not just one of them. Yeah, uh, Justin says Mo said he's joining uh, Bosch's Patreon to watch tape. Yeah, I did. I wasn't aware there was a whole Patreon thing there with Bosch. So I'm gonna one more gonna time on Mark Smith. Me. Mark Smith, those are all his plays. Those weren't those weren't the bet, just the bet, the good plays, brother. The, yep. I, those are all his coverage plays. Even the the penalties were in there. You can't watch that tape and come back and say he was getting smacked. If you do, you're in your emotions, or you just don't know what you're watching. And I don't want to say you don't. I see you in the chat all the time. You seem like a smart fan. And I can't think that you come away from watching that film and say he was getting smacked. I don't really know what else to tell you. Those are all his coverage plays in that game. I same totally thing, agree. same thing with the Rams. I did the same thing. Go watch all his coverage plays and come back and tell me he was getting smacked. Go watch all the Eagles coverage plays and, and the same thing. Yep. I agree with that totally. Now, before we get out of here, fine. I guess we got to talk a little bit about the Panthers game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, because there's, there's a Sunday. The game. Man. This, this better not get clipped on Sunday night in, in a negative way. <laughs> but hey, Cowboys are facing the Carolina Panthers. It's one of those games where in any other season, you might have been like, it's a trap game. They, you know, there's a short week coming up against a divisional opponent who does not look easy at all because the commanders have some players. And Sam Howell is balling out right now with Eric Vienemi over there in, in Washington. So there's some respect there. It's a short week and everything. I do this thing, Sky, every Thursday night where I make one Cowboys bet, like one, one bet on the Cowboys game. It can be against the Cowboys. It can be over, under. As long as the odds are minus 110, I can roll with it. I've got my bet locked and loaded. We're 7-2 and two for the season, so we are in a very profitable space in no, betting the yeah. Cowboys. Do you, what do you think about the spread? Minus 10.5. The Cowboys are double-digit favorites. They're going on the road. They were 17.5 favorites against the Giants last week. 
what do you think about the spread right now? I think that's a big spread. Uh, I, I would I would still take it. I don't think here's the thing, Mo. We can't get six fourth quarter hat games, right? We can't get six 40 to, to 10 type game. Like that can't happen, right? So I just got this weird feeling on the road, 12 o'clock game, traveling to the East Coast. Um it's kind of a, a stingy type of we got some players on that side of the ball defensively. I feel like this could still be a closer game into the fourth, and then Dallas pulls away and they win by you know 15 or 13 or something like that. But in, in a situation where you never felt like the game was away from you, it always felt like you were in front of it, but it wasn't a 40-point type of game. I just yep. feel like that might that, that might happen. Something where like you're winning like 27 to, to 14 or something like that. Ideally, the Cowboys go up and we get into this conversation where I've got this meme already locked and loaded that I do every week that the Cowboys are blowing out their opponent where they've got, uh, it's like the bat signal, but it's Cooper Rush when it's garbage time. And I just tweet it out as a joke every time. I don't know if the Cowboys would do it earlier. If, if, if everything's going okay and the Cowboys are like rolling do we see Cooper Rush earlier because of the short week? That's one of the things that it's in my mind right now. I'm still taking the Cowboys, though. That's my official bet, by the way. Cowboys minus 10.5. We're 7-2 and two for the year. I love one bet, which is first half minus 6.5, but I cannot take it with the minus 110 odds, which means it's not eligible for this segment because I made it as a rule because that's like a, a gambler thing where if you do minus 110, then your break-even rate is 52.4%. If you hit 53% of your bets, you are profiting. So I cannot do it because of my rule. I'm not going to break my rule, but that's going to be my real bet. Like in the real world, I'm going to bet Cowboys minus six and a half for the first half and just roll with that. But that's my bet for, for this week. So you think they'll, they'll, they'll win by less than 11? No, no, no. That's saying? 11 or more. Okay, so you have a winning by more. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I don't know if it's going to be a fourth quarter hat game. I would love for it to be. I'm just not quite sure yet. Now we'll see Sunday when I wake up. Maybe I feel a bit differently. But but I, I don't know. I just can we get another one? How, how many so. times? I think so, Sky. This is crazy. How many times can this happen in the season? I don't remember the last time this has happened this many times this early in the season. So that's just it's kind of like the it has to balance itself. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. My bold prediction is we get number six here, like that kind of blowout game. And then you won't see no more. No, nah, no. Nah, my bold prediction is we see a seventh one Ooh. during that streak of tough games. Like, hey. I, I, I think they do it to a, a, a big-time opponent. Like, like, man. I would love it. It might be optimism. It might be just being hopeful. But here's, uh. here, here are the facts, you know, against the Eagles, against the 49ers, excuse me, when they really did not look the part, they were not doing everything that we've talked about this show. They were not doing the three-by-one stuff. They were not mm -hmm. doing the motion stuff. They were not doing the bunch formations. They were not doing the Brandon Cooks crosser routes. I, I believe in the passing game, man. I, I'm a believer in the Cowboys passing game. I'm excited about it. And, yep, yeah, let's let's see if it, if it ends up uh, happening or not. For now, though, Sky... It was so awesome, man, to yeah. link back up and talk some Cowboys football. We haven't done it in a while. Uh, we we need to cut down the in-between time that we do these crossover yeah. shows. It cannot be two years again, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got to figure out a median. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
we we always kind of like we said we throw it out there, but we get so caught up in everything we do. You got multiple shows. You're 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 a lead writer on the on the website. You all, you obviously have your primetime show. I got multiple shows. I'm doing all these editings yeah. and, and 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 film and all this other thing. It gets crazy. We're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And the next thing you know, man, I, I talked to Mo about that two months ago. Like, Yo, I didn't even think about it. So. Hey, it's a dream job, but it's still a job, right? <laughs> it's still a job at the end of the day. Yes. So, so maybe, maybe before the the playoffs, because I think the Cowboys will be in the playoffs. Maybe we we get we link back up before the playoffs, and it'd be fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for joining me. And of course, Thanks everyone knows. Where he can, where they can find you. Everyone knows you, of course. Uh, Skywalker Steel every morning here on the channel. And you can find him on Twitter at Skywalker Steel. Thank you so much once more, and thank you everybody who joined the show on tonight's stream. I'll see you on Sunday night, hopefully, to talk about a Cowboys win. And of course, you're also gonna get the game day show. So excited about that whole thing. Thank you so much, everybody. We are out. <laughs>